workplace wellness champions. Welcome to episode eight of the Virtual Vibe podcast, where we discuss HR strategies for a happy, healthy, and connected workforce in a work from home world. I'm David Howe, CEO of Bright Breaks and host of the Virtual Vibe. And today I'm excited to chat with Lori Butson. And Lori is the former VP Global Learning and Employee Experience at IDG. She's now the owner of a business called Cleared to Flourish, which helps people lead more flourishing lives inside and outside the workplace through training, workshops, coaching, and consulting. And Lori is also a positive psychology practitioner and coach, and that is going to be the topic of our conversation today. So welcome, Lori. Hi, David. It's so good to be here with you. Thanks for asking. Awesome. Yeah, I'm super excited. Lori and I have known each other for about a year now. We work together. Lori was a champion of our product, our wellness product at IDG. And it's been great to get to know you and learn about your journey. So I'm excited to share it with our listeners today. Me too. Me too. I know it feels like it's been a longer than a year. So much has happened in the last year on, you know, my side and obviously I'm sure your side and all the great things that you're doing with Bright Breaks. But yeah, it's kind of hard to believe that it's been a year, but it's so good to be here literally almost a year later from when we met to reflect and uh, do something new together. Yeah, it is. Time does fly. It is weird that it's been a year. It doesn't feel like that at all. But yeah. yeah, a lot has happened and maybe that's a good spot to kick off. So I'd love if you could just share a little bit more about you and your journey and where you are today and kind of how you got there. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So you mentioned that I was the former VP of Global Learning and, and Employee Experience at IDG. And I spent 25 years at IDG and just recently left back a few months ago. And, you know, during my time at IDG, I had the remarkable pleasure of leading a number of different groups, departments, initiatives, really all under the umbrella of the employee experience and employee engagement. So, you know, I was responsible for different areas such as diversity and inclusion, learning and training and development, engagement, change management, internal communications and well-being. And I had a wonderful 25 years there. And then over the last year, a lot has changed for me personally. And it gave me an opportunity to do some reflecting on what is it that I want to do, you know, for the next chapter of my life. And before I kind of get into that, I'll go back a few years. And early on in the pandemic, I became intimately interested in mental health and overall well-being. I felt like as a society, we had an opportunity to talk about and almost kind of seize the moment that was developing around well-being and mental health because we were we were going through something together that as as a world that we had never experienced before. And I think, you know, people who may not have thought about well-being in, you know, a certain way started to take notice because we were collectively not okay together, especially early on in the pandemic. And I realized early on that I really wanted to be part of that conversation and work and solutions. And that's what's led me to, you know, the topic that we're going to talk about today, the world of positive psychology. And over the last, you know, three and a half years, I really have devoted a lot of time to diving into training and certifications around a lot of different areas of positive psychology. So I've become a certified practitioner, consultant, 
coach, resilience trainer, and I found the world fascinating. And we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, why and what positive psychology is. But so over the last few years, I've been thinking about what is it that I want to continue to do in the world? I had a wonderful opportunity to bring positive psychology and a lot a lot of programs to my work at IDG, but I had also started to think about, you know, maybe one day opening my own business and my own consultancy. And then I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease earlier this year. And all of a sudden, everything that I had been preaching for the last several years around well-being, around mental health came to the forefront for me. And I needed to make sure that I was you know, without sounding cliche, like taking a dose of my own medicine. I took a medical leave to really be able to focus on my health. And that was one of the best decisions that I've ever made. So hard, but so important. And that led me to deciding to leave my corporate job and starting my own business to really focus on helping other people lead more flourishing lives. I think that if the last year has taught me anything, it's life is short. And um, we want to be living living our lives as fulfilled, as thriving, as flourishing as possible. And so my business, Clear to Flourish, as you mentioned, is focused on helping both businesses and individuals lead more flourishing lives. There's a lot of studies out there that the percentages of people that are flourishing versus languishing, languishing is a word that we've probably all heard a little bit about over the last over the last few years. The majority of the population is just doing okay. And I'm a firm believer that I know I want to be more than just okay. And I want to help others be more than just okay. I feel like we shouldn't just be satisfied with being okay. So anyway, that's a little bit about about my journey, you know, 25 years in the corporate world, now off on my own, bringing a lot of the work that I did for those 25 years out into the world in a different capacity. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, I mean, I've obviously know your journey. We've been in touch the last little bit on everything. And, you know, I, I mentioned, I appreciate you sharing that on LinkedIn and online. I think it's a big help to people just to to be transparent and share that. And I think that's going to inspire a lot of people. 25 years is a long time, right? At one company. It is. What was yeah. it like kind of the day that you you woke up and it wasn't, that wasn't part of your life anymore? And obviously it'll always be part of your life, but that, that morning, that first yeah. morning, maybe you woke up and there you were not going to work or. Yeah. Well, so I think my experience was a little bit unique because of my health journey. And I think it would have been really different had I not had the health journey, had I not had a period of time before I actually made that decision to leave, if I had not been on a medical leave. So I think that contributed to my my experience because I had had a break from the workplace, which I absolutely needed. And I think that that's something, you know, I know that that's not the focus of our our time together, but it is something that I have become more passionate about in terms of not everybody can just take a break from work, right? Well, we can, we can take small breaks and that's like the beauty of your organization. But what I'm talking about is a longer break, right? And that was something that my body needed at the time. It's not something, you know, that we all need, but when we do, it's important to recognize that. So I think, you know, to answer your question, it was a little bit easier 
than it would have been had had I not had you know my medical and health journey that I was on, had I not had that little break before I went back for a short time and then left. But it's definitely still a little bit surreal. Like I still have conversations and I talk about IDG as like, you know, I'm still there. I'm still in it. I think that'll take a while to get over though. And yeah. get 25 years is a long time to kind of change your wording around. Yeah, hundred percent. And so now it's kind of come, you know, full circle, as you mentioned, you kind of, a lot of the things that you were sharing with the team, you know, trying to practice and love yourself that has led into where you are today, which is, you know, the positive psychology side of things and starting a business to actually support teams and individuals with that. So let's just kind of kick it off for everyone. Like what is positive psychology? So positive psychology, very simply put, is the science of flourishing, well-being, and happiness. And I think it's a term that people have heard, but don't really understand. And I think for me, one of the easiest ways to understand it is to think about it and paint it in a light in comparison to traditional psychology. I think we are all very familiar or much more familiar, I should say, with traditional psychology. And if we focus for a minute on traditional psychology, traditional psychology tends to focus on what is wrong and how do we fix it? It is looking at a person or a situation or a circumstance and looking at, okay, what happened here? What's wrong? How do we get back to a baseline? How do we get back to bringing this person, bringing this group back to being okay? So whether that is a mental illness, whether that is an addiction, whether that is, you know, a traumatic circumstance, you know, it could be a, a life circumstance that you're going through that is particularly challenging. And traditional psychology plays a critical role in our lives and in society, in humanity. And it's really fixing what is wrong to get back to that okay and baseline. What I like to describe positive psychology doing is, is kind of picking up where traditional psychology left off. So I mentioned before that I believe that I want to lead a life that is better than okay. I want to help people that, you know, help people be better than just okay. Walking around, you know, day to day being more than okay. We want to be a term that's used quite often in positive psychology is like north of neutral. And so that's like being better than average, better than okay. And I think if we think about the world of traditional psychology, there are a lot more resources, a lot more support out there when people need help, when people are struggling. I don't believe that there is enough support. I think we have a long way to go as a society, but I think, you know, there's more support when something is wrong to fix it. There isn't as much for that population of people who you're doing okay, but you want to do better than that. That's where positive psychology comes in. And it's raising the awareness, educating people, and allowing them to grow and flourish. And what I love about positive psychology is that there's so many different angles to explore and tap. Because if you think about it, you know, I mentioned that positive psychology is the science of well-being, flourishing, and happiness. That looks different to everybody, right? What's going to get you there, David, might be really different from me. We're all lead 
different lives. And so we're all going to need to tap into different types of experiences. And positive psychology brings that to the world. So what I love about it is that you can name what you're doing. There are six pathways to positive psychology that really delve into a lot of areas that can lead somebody to more happiness and flourishing. So you can be overt and talk openly about, okay, well, we're going to boost this part of you know your life by focusing on vitality to lead, get you to lead a more flourishing life or finding more meaning and purpose. So you can talk about it overtly or there's a lot of different activities that you can do where you don't need to necessarily put a name to it. So what do I mean by that? I mentioned that there are six pathways or six pillars to positive psychology. And those are, the first one is positivity or positive emotion. The second one is engagement. The third one is relationships. The fourth is meaning, then achievement, and then vitality. So as you can imagine, just sort of under those umbrellas, there's so many opportunities to tap. But as I mentioned before, everyone is different. And so what I love is that there's so many different areas that you can tap into depending on what you need in your life for, you know, more well-being, more thriving, more flourishing. Mm -hmm. Does that help? Yeah, I think that's a really good overview. And what I'm trying to rack in my brain as you're talking through it is, is it almost so traditional psychology, we are almost waiting for that moment when things go wrong in a way versus mm -hmm. this is kind of the precursor where you can start to try to get ahead of things. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. And I think I'm going to jump on a word that you said in there focused on what's wrong, mm. right? I think that that is the opposite, right? For positive psychology, we're trying to focus on what is right. Mm. What is right in the person? What can we capitalize on what's working or how do we enhance what's working versus what's focusing mm. on raw, what is wrong? And then what I also like about what you said is there's an opportunity to like get ahead. And I like that from the perspective of there's a lot of proactivity that comes in with positive psychology, right? I'm a big believer that like, you know, I mentioned, you know, the majority of the population is not flourishing, is not thriving. If it were easy, we would all be living much more flourishing, glorious lives day to day, but it's not easy. Life is hard. Day-to-day -day work, you know, family, personal life, it's hard. And so I liked what you said there in terms of there's a lot of different areas under that positive psychology umbrella to tap, to build up that positive capital in your life from a lot of different areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, in the word, like, you're right, that I, the language that we use, and I use that word kind of subconsciously by saying wrong, that's not necessarily the correct way to think about it. So that makes a lot of sense. And as you say, like I, you know, the word flourishing, I don't think we necessarily need to define it. I think it intuitively it makes sense. But of course, what we talk about on this podcast a lot is focused on how HR folks and people folks and at the workplace, yeah. how they can start contributing to their employees' lives to really help create the culture of wellness. And of course, yeah. as you mentioned, we're all, you know, for the most part working and that can be a big stress in a lot of people. So what can HR leaders do to start to look at adopting some of this mindset or these practices or these philosophies into their workplace to boost employee well-being. Yeah. And I think that's another beautiful angle about 
you know, the work that I'm so passionate about and, you know, that this big field, this big science of well-being and positive psychology, that there's so many different opportunities and there's so many different angles and ways that organizations and individuals can focus on it. But I think, you know, maybe I'll start with like the why, right? I think that that's a really important place for, you know, if I think about HR leaders, HR practitioners who are listening to this, you know, I I think you want to start with the why. And I think if we think about what the last three and a half years has brought to all of us from a workplace perspective, I think that there's a call to action for organizations and workplaces to take more initiative and care and concern with overall well-being. I think that there is and continues to be a growing expectation of employees, of individuals who are looking for that. They're wanting to work for organizations that support their overall well-being. Again, I think the pandemic brought to life, I'll go back to something that I said a few minutes ago, life is short. And I think it really became an opportunity that was an inflection point for a lot of people to really think about what do I want out of life? What is going to bring me joy and meaning and happiness? And, you know, work is certainly part of, you know, so many of our lives. It's not like we can all just make a decision and just go and, you know, pursue anything that we want and, you know, put work to the side. We need work. We want work to be integral to our lives, but we want to do it in a way that we know that we are supporting our well-being, but then also that we work for organizations that care about that as well. There's a recent study that came out at the end of last year or early this year that Deloitte did that only 59% of workers would rate their well-being as good or excellent. So if we stop and think about that, that's 41%. 41% of the workplaces or employees and workplaces that are not doing good or excellent. And there's a lot of room for improvement. So I would suggest that HR leaders, organizations take a look at, you know, how do you want to approach well-being? How are you approaching well-being? And the way you approach can be big or small, spoken or unspoken. You know, I'll share a couple of things that we did at my previous organization. You know, some of the things that we focused on, and again, some of them being small, some of them being large, we did a lot of education around what is positive psychology. So educating people who were interested in, you know, doing a little bit of a deeper dive than I'm doing here today around like, let's learn about this. What is it? We also rolled out a 16 module resilience training program. We rolled out an overarching well-being initiative called the Be Well, Work Well program, which was a comprehensive well-being program that had a lot of different offerings underneath. We, in 2023, earlier this year, we actually adapted it to the U.S. Surgeon General's framework that came out this year and kind of tied it to those pillars that the Surgeon General of the U.S. was asking organizations to focus on. We rolled out coaching in the organization, group coaching as part of a new manager development program. So why do I share those? I give those as examples just so that people can start to connect the dots from, you know, sometimes it's 
things can sound really good in theory. Like, oh yeah, like the science of flourishing and happiness and well-being, that's great. But what does it actually look like? And that's, you know, that's what I'd love to, for us to continue to talk about. And hopefully those examples start to paint the picture a little bit more. Yeah. And I like a couple things you said there. One is kind of that call to action. I think that's a great way to think about it because you know, I'm trying to reflect on the pandemic, which was obviously, as you're saying, is a very hard time. And that kind of, I think, brought to light a lot of challenges on specifically for employees and employers felt more of a responsibility maybe than ever before to kind of implement more of a culture of wellness. And I'm curious, you know, if, like, how have you seen that evolve almost the workplace responsibility over the last decade or two? Have you seen a, a major shift from 10, 20 years ago to today in terms of employers feeling more of a responsibility? Yeah, absolutely. I think that if we, I mean, even if we start by going back to just shortly before the pandemic, right? And if we look at that point versus where we, you know, how we've evolved over the last three and a half years, it's immense, right? In terms of the number of organizations who either didn't focus and didn't feel like they had to focus or that they there was that responsibility that they had and do now or organizations who were already doing something but then even you know just up their game and then if we were to go back 10 20 years i think that you know and this is no fault to anyone necessarily but i just think that we have evolved as a society right i think that we still have a long way to go for people to get comfortable and more and more comfortable with well-being and mental health and talking about it and you know bringing it into more of the forefront of an organization but i think that acknowledgement that comfort and that the action i think continues to grow whereas i just don't think that we were there as a society i think you know if we were to go back 10 15 years not many organizations were doing as much of this type of work not to say that it wasn't being done but i just i certainly don't think it you know to the extent that we are focused on it today but I also think that that has to do with just the evolution of us as a world and as a society getting more and more comfortable talking about these things and working through these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why this types of conversations are great because it does bring that awareness more. Um, I think all the listeners obviously already kind of agree with the philosophical reason for why this is important. Yeah. But now more and more, as you mentioned also, like some stats and some research and some studies show that at the end of the day, this stuff is also good for business because if your team is happier, healthier, you know, at work, it's hard to separate work and life. Like they're kind of like, if you're having a bad day at work, you're probably not going to have a great day after work and vice versa yeah. as well. So I think it's great to have these kind of conversations to share that. And, and as you're saying, like, I think that makes a lot of sense just culturally or, or from a society level, things have come a very long way. Yeah. I just wanted to add, you made me think as you were saying that, you know, the evolution of society. I also think it's really interesting to think about the role that generations play in the workforce. I think that we have younger generations who are, you know, coming more and more into the workforce. And I think that there is a different expectation from younger generations that taking care of their mental health, their well-being, and employers and organizations should be doing that 
it's no longer like a nice to have. It's much more of an expectation like, why would we not be doing this? And so I think that that's also something important to keep in mind because we have a large number of different generational segments that are in the workplace right now. And it's really important to pay attention to what the expectations of those different generations are, especially the younger generations. And that's not to say that older generations don't have an expectation and don't care about their well-being. That's not it at all. But I think that younger generations, they've just grown up in a society where the conversation and the attention is a lot more prevalent than it was years ago, like we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's well said. And so we talked about some examples and just for context, IDG, you know, roughly 5,000 employees, you know, multiple countries where employees are working from. You know, you mentioned some of the examples and education being a big piece of that. Is there anything else to expand on that in terms of the examples of kind of positive psychology and action? And if not, like, also, how was the response to it? So the things that you did put into action, was the response good? Was it well-received? Were people kind of engaging with it? Yeah. So I think I'll start with your second question and then I'll go back because I, I do feel so passionate about wanting people to really be able to connect to different examples because there isn't one right solution to, you know, to how to tackle well-being. So I'll cover that in a little bit more depth. But in terms of the response, the response was great. You know, I'll give you a bring to life a couple of examples. I mentioned that one of the big initiatives that we rolled out was a resilience training program, a 16 module resilience training program. And so, you know, you think about 16 modules, right? That's a, and each module was an hour long and it extended over several months. That's a pretty big commitment for people, right? And we had, I think it was like around 225 people who signed up for that commitment. And we had the majority of those people, not necessarily, you know, because completing 16, you know, every module might not have been possible live, but the majority of those people did actually complete almost all of the program. And so the response was, you know, to that was great, not only from like a turnout perspective, right? And what I mean by that, and I think the significance there is, is that people responded to what we were putting out there in terms of us meeting the need, like resilience and building those different types of resilience skills and learning how to not only bounce back, but bounce back better from situations. And how do you build those resilience skills? So the number of people that, that enrolled in that was indicative to the need, right? 225 global employees, like that's a lot of employees who were saying, yeah, I want this, I need this. But then also the feedback in terms of the practical nature of what we covered through that program. So yeah, feedback, both in terms of the skills and learning that people are able to take away, but then also a huge response in terms of the care that, people felt that the organization was showing to them by offering these types of offerings. So that's just like one example of, you know, how the organization responded when we rolled that out. But then I think, you know, your second question is what other opportunities are out there? And what I want to leave people with today is the understanding that, and I mentioned this before, it doesn't have to be these large scale 
you know, 16 module, 225 people going to 16 classes. It could be that, but it could also be a lot of other things. And so what are some examples? So it could be standalone training sessions that you bring in. Maybe you have a learning and development program. Maybe you don't, but you could offer, you know, some small workshops to start to introduce some of these concepts and skills. Maybe it's team interventions. Maybe you have a team who is, you know, maybe they're struggling. Maybe they're particularly passionate about wanting to focus on their well-being. Maybe it's just bringing in educational resources based on what the organization or teams or individuals might need. And I think that when you have an understanding of positive psychology, which hopefully people have a little bit more of after our session today, and you understand those pathways, I mentioned, you know, there's six different pathways because there's so much available to us to lead more flourishing lives. It's not just about one thing. It might be one thing in this moment for this person, but it might be something later on that they need to add. So once you understand that, you can use that knowledge as a tool to help evaluate what you might be able to tap and leverage. So, you know, I mentioned it might be a team that needs to focus on relationship building. It might be that the organization needs some more focus on what is their purpose and connecting individuals to that purpose. We know we've learned a lot over the last several years that people want to like connect to something larger than themselves. It might be rolling out an organization-wide coaching program to give people that opportunity within the organization to get that one-on-one or group experience in coaching. It might be a standalone training program that you offer to your organization on focusing on strengths and helping people learn about their strengths and how they might be able to leverage and tap those. You might be very likely an organization that is facing burnout and you might need to focus on processes and systems that are in place and you know the vitality of individuals on the team to you know to try to remedy that burnout that you might be experiencing you might be focusing on putting an emphasis on physical well-being and doing physical challenges within your organization so those are just a snapshot but hopefully what i tried to do there was pick a wide range of not only topic areas, but both large scale, small scale. And honestly, I would say that the possibilities are endless. Yeah, that's so many. And as you're saying, you know, earlier on in the conversation, it is different. Well-being is different for everyone. So I think having different options because 225 people taking that 16 module, you know, course is awesome engagement. And like the impact, sometimes these things can be hard to measure. Obviously you're looking at the attendance and the numbers, but it is harder to measure sometimes the impact that that education piece or that program had on those 225 people, because that is where the real impact is, not just 200 people showing up, but what actually happened to them after and what they implemented and what they took going forward. So this has been really awesome, Lori. And I guess to kind of summarize, you know, for HR folks out there now, like where should they get started? Maybe what are some maybe couple tactical things and then where can they learn more, you know, to learn more about positive psychology and also maybe check out some of your work that you're working on? Yeah, I think that's a great place to end. And I would say that what I would encourage, you know, whether it's HR teams or leaders within organizations, I would encourage you, if you haven't already done it, to decide what do you want your well-being culture and focus to be? 
you know, so how do you do that? Looking at where you are currently and where do you want to go? What's your ideal vision? And I've mentioned the word why a couple of times now, but like, why are you doing this? What are your goals for focusing on this? Do you feel like it's the right thing to do? A caveat that I would say is that I think sometimes there are organizations out there and there are leaders out there that I like to call it, you know, a check the box or a tick the box. Don't do it for that reason. Employees will see through that and the likelihood of success is not going to be as great. So really try to figure out what's your why. And, you know, hopefully it's a strong why. And, you know, thinking about where is your organization starting out? Is it that you have initiatives in place and you want to add to it? Are you just starting out and this is a brand new area? Some other questions that I would encourage people to think about is, do you want to be explicit about it? Do you want to talk openly about your goals around helping and supporting and providing resources around well-being? Do you want to be explicit and, and explanatory about what you're doing? Or do you want to try some initiatives and not necessarily put a name to it, but try out some of those initiatives? Maybe it's bringing in coaching. Maybe it's doing some training workshops here and there on different topics to see what resonates. You know, asking yourself some questions. Do you want help from external consultants to help you evaluate and explore and identify options. So those are some of the questions that I would encourage people to think about. And I think it's like, where are you now and where do you want to be is probably the most ideal place to start. And that's going to look different. Like some organizations are doing a bang up job already. And it's like, all right, well, where do you want to go from there? And some are just starting out and it's the same question. Where do you want to go from there? And then you mentioned where can people learn more? So there's a lot of information and research out there in terms of positive psychology, you know, so I would encourage people to dig deeper, learn more. One place that you can do that is with me. You've probably gotten the sense, I know, David, you know this, I could talk about this stuff all day long, but people have probably gotten the sense uh, from listening to me that like, this is stuff I have seen and felt work for me personally. I have seen the impacts that it's had on individuals and teams and organizations that I've worked for. So I'm, I could talk about this and you know, do work on this all day long. So I'm certainly a resource. You can reach out to me via email. My email is Lori, L-A-U-R-I-E at cleartoflourish.com. You can follow me on LinkedIn. I've been for a while, you know, trying to be more active on LinkedIn. And so I've committed to that. And then you can also check out my website, which is cleartoflourish.com. And um, yeah, I'd be happy to just have a chat with anybody who who wants to learn more, has any questions. Awesome. Yeah, I can't think of a, a better person if you're listening to and you're interested in how you can bring this to your workplace, how this applies to you individually. Lori is the right person to chat to. So hopefully you get some people reaching out and checking in. This has been awesome, Lori. I think it's been jam-packed with insights. So I'm excited to have folks tune in and take a look at this. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. And thank you everyone for listening. See you next Monday on The Virtual Vibe. Take care.